Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. At Lemonada Media, we are on a mission to make life suck less. That's why we are so excited to announce the launch of our newest show, Good Things, a podcast we specifically created to highlight people and organizations who make our world a better place. Hosted by a rotating cast of our favorite Lemonada hosts and special guests, Good Things highlights incredible organizations that are solving our country's most complex issues. From working to improve the American foster care system to fighting to increase diversity and inclusion initiatives, this show shines a light on the fixers out there who are working to make good things happen. Good Things is available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. Hello, everyone. This is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And I'm your host, Mohanad Al Sheikhi, a man who famously lives in Brooklyn. I'm Oha Lopez, and I just found a cup with what seems like Chernobyl in it because I left chocolate milk <laughs> out. And I'm Kiki Monique, and I say I'm allergic to avocados when I order at restaurants. The truth is, I just hate avocado, but I don't like the judgy looks I get from avocado lovers. And this week on I'm Sorry, we're talking about the top nine worst apologies of all time. Sorry, it's not 10. We thought nine would be way better. So who needs a 10th? Ninth birthdays are way better than 10th birthdays. What I would do to get back into single digit ages again. <laughs> I'm going to start off with a surprising one that really, as I started looking into it, just took a Mm -hmm. bit of a turn, you know? So I'm going to start off with, if you remember, the 1995 uh, Hugh Grant uh, situation. I'll call it a situation. We should um, wait, we should also preface this. This is not in any particular order of like best to worst. Like we'll deal with that later. We're just really throwing out like all nine right now. Yeah. We're starting exactly. about the most British apologies and then we're going to go with like less <laughs> until we get to the most American apology. That's how it <laughs> most works. Most American apologies. And this is something like Hugh Grant at this point is like four weddings and a funeral. Then he goes Notting Hill, Bridget Jones Diary, like about a boy. Um, music and lyrics. Can anybody remember that Drew Barrymore? Oh, my favorite. Yes, my favorite. Hell yeah. Okay, so I personally love Hugh Grant's blue puppy dog eyes. And at that point, when all this went down, he is dating Elizabeth Hurley, who is to me still to this day, the single hottest like British woman in in all of America. I'll call it that. Ageless um, by Elizabeth Hurley. She does oh not Oh my age. God. That movie with Brendan Fraser where she's like, she's bedazzled and she plays the devil. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Elizabeth Hurley is amazing. I'm the devil. Yeah, right. This is around the same time that I learned the phrase, 
for every beautiful woman, there's like a man who's tired of making love to her. You see, I'll say making love mm, in this case. Mm-hmm. But this is a very much a case of Hugh Grant being with Elizabeth Hurley after 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then he gets caught uh, paying $60 to a lady of the night, Divine Brown, for what the police described as a lewd act. Now, what is this lewd act? Could have been a blowy, could have been a fingy, could have been like... Well, um, yeah, what do you get... For $60 back in 95. I, I don't know. Don't Is that know. like, feels like it's a high rate in 95. Like in, in 2021, you, yeah, it might just be like a little bit of like finger play. But in 1995. Is this what he's apologizing for? Like only paying $60? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly it. He's like, I should have given her more. I am a movie star. But he basically goes on this like late night TV show circuit. Let me start with question number one. <laughs> What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> and this is kind of one of the reasons why I think the apology is bad, is that he doesn't actually, like, apologize on TV. You know, I, I, the thing is, um, I, I, people give me tons of um, ideas on this one. I keep reading new, you know, psychological theories and stuff like that. that um, <laughs> you know, I was under pressure, I was uh, overtired, or I was uh, lonely, or my, I fell down the stairs when I was a child, or whatever. <laughs> But I, um, you know, I, I think it would that would be you know, bollocks, really, to, to hide behind a, right. uh, something like that. You know, you, you know in life uh, pretty much what's a good thing to do and what's a, b- a bad thing. And um, I did a bad thing, and there you have it. And that is Hugh Grant's apology, which to me is the single most British apology I could think of, aside from, like, pardon me, Mrs. Queen. I think that's how people <laughs> refer to her. Also, was was him going on like Leno at like a punishment or something? Was that because I can't think of a worse thing, to be honest, to put (laughs) someone through than talk to Jay Leno. His entire house is probably a man cave where he like distances himself emotionally from his family. Yeah, spends a lot of time in his like 49 cars. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I did realize afterwards, too, is he he also goes on Mark Maron like many, many years later to sort of like talk about this apology And his sort of excuse for why he kind of did it is that Mm -hmm. this nine months movie is coming out and he feels like everybody else is really good in the movie, but he thinks he's done very poorly in the movie. And so he's feeling like shit about himself. And so when actors that are very rich and beautiful don't feel good, they go to a sex worker, apparently. So in any case, I don't think the sex worker is that big of a deal. It's just the not really like, You've got a partner, you've got like a whole, you know, like a whole support system and you're off just cheating on people. To me, that's the bad thing he did is like he cheated on someone. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he, him uh, being with a sex worker is is a bad thing overall. Just like whatever. Like, I feel like if you do it now, no one would care. And, you know, what I like is that it also it kind of had a happy ending look. It didn't just turn out good for Hugh Grant, who went on to do Many more movies, many more roles that he probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But apparently, Divine Brown, the sex worker, mm-hmm. like, she got so much money from, like, the interviews and stuff afterwards that she was actually able to get off the streets and send her children to private school. Oh. So, I don't know. Kind of worked out. Bravo. Bravo.
Well, uh, the other person we have is is not a British actor. He's an American actor called Kevin Spacey. Heard of him? Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it. But if you're not, in 2017, the actor Anthony Rapp alleged that Spacey, while intoxicated, made sexual advances toward him. And that was like 1986. And uh, I feel like the thing that made it worse is that other than the, obviously the sexual assault that was the fact that the actor was 14 years old Yikes. and Spacey was 26. Ugh. So Ugh. exactly absolutely disturbing and then you know like when 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 the actor called Kevin Spacey out uh, Kevin Spacey apologized and when we say apologize he tweeted. <laughs> but he said my sincerest apology for what would have been deeply inappropriate drunken behavior, which is a, a very weird way to describe what he did, because I feel like people get drunk all the time and they don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I get drunk and I like sit in front of my refrigerator and just eat things. So I don't yeah. know. I feel like being drunk, if you're already an asshole before you're drunk, you're going to be an asshole after you're drunk. And exactly. Just amplification of it. Yes. Exactly. But he also like was while saying that he was also like maintaining the uh maintaining that if that happened, I'm not saying it happened, if it happened, then I apologize. So not even like really admitting to it happening. He just he just doesn't remember it. But to make it even worse because it's it, it was bad enough, but he was like, "You know what? I can I can do worse than this." Uh, by the end of the apology, he decided to come out as gay. This is his coming out moment. Exactly. He said, basically, I have had relationships with both men and women. I have loved and had romantic encounters with men throughout my life. And I choose to live as a gay man. Good for you, Kevin. But what does that have to do with what you've done to that kid? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've had a lot of uh, friends who've come out. And it's just, like, terrible that he decided to use this, like, beautiful moment wrapped into, like, a really dirty apology. Like, how gross is that? Yeah, because you have, like, people with bad intentions who always do the thing where they're trying to, you know, connect, like, being gay with, like, I don't like child abuse or or any of that. And what he did basically was, like, embracing that negative stereotype. Like, you're not helping anyone here. This is, like... First of all, this has not nothing to do with you being gay, obviously. People have been gay for so long and they don't do that. That's just a you thing. It's just like he was just like giving so many excuses not to say I have done a bad thing because of who I am as a person, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, it has nothing to do with you being drunk. It has nothing to do with you being gay. It has to do with you being a problematic person who does terrible things exactly yeah and, and i mean like there were like consequences which was good you know he was removed from the cast of house of cards as like both an actor and like an executive producer which led to us getting our uh, first woman president even a fictional one which was a first <laughs> so that's that's great i guess always by default oh, always by <laughs> default we get it <laughs> He, yeah, he was the Andrew Cuomo of uh, fictional uh, stuff, you know, and also kind of used the mm -hmm. same excuse as Andrew Cuomo, where he was like, sorry for everything I did. I'm Italian. He's like, sorry for everything I did. I'm gay. Like, it's like, stop. Every, yeah, everyone who is like in these two communities, I'm like, don't, no, don't put me <laughs> into that. Like, no, not, not, that's not me. That's, that's you. Yeah. I wonder, like, if he felt like maybe coming out as gay might overshadow the like 
the issue that like even came out in the first place. Like I'm trying to think of whether or not he felt like, well, this will be bigger news. 100%. Yeah. He thought it was like, this will be the point that everyone focuses on that Kevin Spacey came out and then everyone did not. Everyone was like, truly maybe the only good thing about you at this point. Hey, good job, America. We didn't let ourselves get distracted this time around, which usually we love a distraction. (laughs) Okay, what what else do we have? Well, I mean, wrapped up in the same time period, I mean, in addition to, um, you know, Hollywood actors, producers, and all of these mm-hmm. people who were actually having this casting couch become a reality, chefs, like chefs were, chefs still are superstars to me. Like if I yeah. see a chef on the street, like I will probably want a picture with them before some actual celebrities. So when the Me Too movement started, a lot of chefs that I really loved we're going down, and one of the biggest ones, Mario Batali. And I yeah. was a huge Mario Batali fan. Like, I don't even watch daytime TV, and I would actually record the chew sometimes just to, like, come home and watch it. I love you, Carla, if you're listening. Oh, love, Carla. And, you know, I, you know, I was in New York at the time, and I was, like, one of my first, like, fancy restaurants was the Spotted Pig. I was obsessed yeah. with their chicken liver, and, like, I... I never made it to Del Posto. I wanted that 100-layer lasagna. Like, Mario Batali was definitely a superstar in my mind. But Me Too came. A bunch of people came out and said he sexually... There was sexual misconduct. And a lot of inappropriate touching. A lot of inappropriate groping. And look, I'm not... The sad thing is I'm not surprised because I've worked in the hospitality industry for a long time. 100%. If you've been a server for any time for the past like 10 to 15 years, you've done it. Like you've been in it. Yeah. It's it's a really, there's a lot, there's a lot of consensual sex and then there's a lot of just like <laughs> touchy-feely things happening. There's just, it's sex all over that place. But um, a lot of women, female employees came out to say, you know, he was a problem. And the craziest thing about his apology was he just copped to it right away. You know, he's like, I apologize to the people I've mistreated. And although the identities of most of the individuals mentioned in these stories have not been revealed to me, much of the behavior described does in fact match up with the ways I've acted. So, you know, he, you know, left the hospitality group that him and Bastianic had. He like got bought out of, you know, he was a huge, he was an investor in Italy, which is huge now. You know, he got bought yeah. out of that. But, you know, he does this apology. And actually, like, if you, you know, read the full apology, it's actually a solid apology. But then this is the weird part. I guess they have a newsletter that comes out to people often. And the newsletter comes out that sort of like, you know, acknowledge these bad things have happened. However, Here's a cinnamon roll recipe in case you want it. (laughs) And it was like, you really like, you really had to throw in a pizza dough cinnamon roll recipe at the end of this acknowledgement of sexual misconduct in your organization. Why? Why? He literally wanted to sweet talk his way out of it. That's what he was trying to do. (laughs) Shut up. That's so sweet. Hey, I will tell you something right now. 
If I am wronged, I will accept pastries as a repayment. Good to know. So yeah, lots of ways to pay me back for stuff like that. Okay. The funniest thing was this writer who decided to actually make the cinnamon roll recipe. Um, Just, you know, she was like, if this is your apology, well, let me see if this fixes everything. And basically, he gave really bad instructions on how to make this thing. And when I even looked at the ingredients in his cinnamon rolls, it includes, first of all, like a pizza dough, which I don't think I want pizza dough for my cinnamon roll. And then it includes either a light red or white wine, which are totally different things. But also, I don't know. I don't know. Some of the ingredients don't even feel like a good cinnamon roll to me. So on top of the fact that his apology was like so-so, on top of the fact that it was inappropriate to put a recipe on it, then it gets made and the recipe sucks. Yeah, That to me, that is actually a fuck you. It, it, it seemed like a, a recipe from someone who's like really going through it. He was just like, you know, he, the night before he was like putting ingredients so together. I'm just like, hey, this is so <laughs> fucking good. You know, I've added wine to it. I've been drinking this all day. And now I'm just going to put it out there and people are going to love it. So, yeah, I mean, pretty much he's lost like, you know, all interest in his restaurants, lost his interest in Italy. I mean, at the time he was also really good friends with Gwyneth Paltrow, if you remember. I'm sure that friendship went down the drain i mean i can only assume um i i haven't heard much from him since which i guess is fine but he also i'm sure got a big payoff by selling off his interest in a lot of those oh absolutely so where do you guys think he is today like if you had to imagine where mario batali is what he's doing what is he doing well he definitely still wearing crocs he's definitely still wearing crocs whatever it is probably an island exactly an island where he's like trying to push that uh cinnamon dope pizza or whatever yeah. he's like cooking for the locals and just blowing their minds they're like you should go to america and cook for a living he's like i cannot hi i'm june diane raphael and i'm jessica st Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media.
Okay, so this next one, you guys, I believe is a really good, bad apology. And honestly, it it haunts me at times. I wake up in the middle of the night and I think to myself, <gasps> that happened. And specifically, I'm talking about Mia Ponsetto. Ugh. So all the articles are calling her Soho Karen, but I can't. I just feel like Mia Ponsetto is her own chimera. You know, she is her own creature. She stands alone on her own shelf. Absolutely. But essentially, she's apologizing for having wrongly accused a black teen of taking her phone in a New York City hotel lobby. Yeah. So if you remember the video, which is... Aka insane. You don't have to explain nothing to her. Take the case off. That's fine. Literally can get it back. Are you kidding me? You feel like there's only one one iPhone made in the world? No. Okay, then show me the. No, you get get a life over there. What's on your background? You better go use find find my iPhone. Go do that. Find my iPhone is on. No, no, you can't. No. I don't care. This is my son. She basically is like lost her phone at this point. And so she kind of walks back into the hotel lobby and is at that point just kind of looking at anybody who has an iPhone. Also, the most sold phone in the world. Every single person that I know has an iPhone. If you have an Android, you're a psychopath. Like that's (laughs) I know that that's not true. Yeah, no green text, please. So she is, I guess, just profiling this kid who's 14 years old and she literally physically takes him down which is just absolutely insane honestly she blows up this video goes viral i mean beyond anything i'd seen up until that point like i felt like every single one of my friends were talking about it oh yeah i mean i was on a witch hunt with the rest of the internet like because everyone was essentially at that point like whoever had tagged arlo hotel we were like let me find her and like Comparing faces, this looks like her looking at profiles. I was going onto my Finsta, following people. I was I was out of control, I will say myself. Truly, I would say the most insane person in America at that time. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. everything about her, just like the video, the apology, like the vibe, amazing. The vibe is unhinged for sure. And um, we're also at the same time also having this ginormous conversation about privilege and about race mm-hmm. and all this is happening. And so it just feels like her insanity is just it fits in perfectly with the narrative of what we're talking about at this point in time. Mm hmm. This all happens in December, and she gets basically arrested on January 8th. But that is the the same day that the first segment of her CBS morning interview airs. The complete interview ends up airing on January 11th. So as this is airing, Mia is (laughs) under arrest. So she's not having a great Saturday, you guys. She's really struggling (laughs) that day. I feel sorry that I made the family go through like all of that stress, but at the same time, it wasn't just them going through that. I just don't think that you helped yourself by your behavior. Of when you not. looked at that video, what did you think? What did you think, Mia, you when already you looked asked at me the that. video? You already asked me that in the beginning of the interview. I'm not I'm okay. not going over it again. I, I, I would all like right. to I would like to have a real interview with real questions and real heart and real sincere apologies. Let 2021 be the moment of healing. Seriously. All I'm right. so sorry I'm laughing. I actually feel like there's there's something wrong um with her and i hope she's getting help do you remember do you remember during the uh, gail king uh, interview the hat that she was wearing yes <laughs> d-a-d-d-y baby it was truly 
like could not pick a better outfit. Yeah, it was truly unhinged. And also, you guys, I saw myself in her like just a little bit. <laughs> I know. Wait, just what? hold on. Just hold on. Tell us okay, more. Tell us more. I about just that. saw myself. I'm like, I want to wear a cute hat that says "Daddy" and like some athleisure. Like, I just was like, she's she's like cute. You know what I mean? And like the glasses, she just looks like some lady that I would follow on Instagram and be like, her life is perfect. And then on the other end of it, she's like taking down 14 year olds and getting drunk with her mom in hotel lobbies. Like. There's something about her that feels like what that feels so current. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't yeah. feel like a Karen who's wearing like, you know, like I don't know, she's walking her dog and like a weird purple top. Purple tops are fine. I'm so sorry. I'm not attacking people who wear purple tops. What I'm saying is there's something about the way that she looks that feels so TikTok, Instagram. Like she feels like it's somebody that we would know. It's a new generation of Karen's, you know? Like it's a new recruit. Exactly. We're used to the meme of the the haircut, you know, the haircut I'm talking about and like yes, that's honey. who we're expecting to see. And now we see a woman who's clearly a woman of color and we're like huh wait how what's what's going on here the canon association got together and they were like we need to (laughs) rebrand and they put their ideas together and this is what came out we need them younger we need them to have john lennon glasses on we need the daddy hats that's daddy hats exactly get the lingo and also be racist as fuck no but it that's why i I saw myself in her is this just like i feel like i understood her generation and i understood her references and what she was wearing and how she spoke and it scared me (laughs) it just was like ah i thought we were eradicating this but obviously we're yeah, not. Yeah, Karen's got a software update, and this is what we're going to end up with now. So then we go into, for me, like the way that I feel like all teenagers <laughs> wish they could respond to their parents when she cuts off Gail with a hand up and says the word enough. You seem to have attacked this teenager about the phone, and then it turned out he didn't even have your phone. Oh, okay, so let's that's do, the thing. Do you I mean, you're, get to that you're, part? you're saying, look, I'm 22 years old. You're 22 phone. years old, but you are old enough to know better. Oh, the hotel so I will didn't say have you're my... 22. Right, I get it. Enough. And and just basically proceeds to ask Gail to. She's like, I just can we just move on? You know what I mean? And Gail's like. Well, no, because you haven't taken any responsibility. You, it, it really seems unhinged at that point. She, to me, it is like the ultimate like image management kind of thing. Like the only reason she went on was to try to control mm-hmm. the narrative. And then yeah. it spiraled even further. Because in every single word that she was saying, I felt like it was like dripping with condescension, dripping with the fact that of like, I shouldn't even be here. Why are all these people making such a big deal about this? And that made me crazy. I love that the the like let's move on part like move on to what why do you think you're doing this interview like you have a clothing line or something you want to talk about like what do you yeah. want to plug something yeah and then my favorite quote too is like how is one girl accusing a guy about a phone a crime <laughs> oh, <laughs> which okay. is like amazing she basically takes reality and this is why I think there's something up when you take reality and warp it into something that makes sense to only you and the entire world around you is going like, no, that was fucked up and you stick to your guns, that's the confidence of a white man. You know what I mean? Like that is the confidence <laughs> of a straight, wealthy white man. And I keep telling you, we need to have this. We need that juice. We all need to have a little bit of that insanity. sanity. <laughs> 
Speaking of the confidence of white men, uh, we have uh, another person coming up who's uh, an Olympic swimmer, uh, Ryan Lochte. I'm not sure if anyone uh, have heard of him or remember the apology or what happened to him. Yes. I thought he was a hottie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm really starting to develop the idea that you have a type, Kiki. You've just mentioned a couple of men that you're attracted to, and they are made of the same cloth. They are cut from the same cookie cutter. I grew up in the suburbs. What can I say? <laughs> Kiki is about to be like, okay, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> enough. Enough. Okay. Oh, I love it. No, but I don't know if you like if you remember he like he was he, it was like in the 2016 Olympics in Brazil, and he claimed that he and other like uh, swimmers got robbed on the gunpoint, mm-hmm. and he made he went to the police, filed a report. And that was the story that he was telling, that they were robbed. And it was traumatic to him, and it was very bad. Uh, turns out the uh, uh, the people who pulled guns at him, and he said that they were pretending to be police, were actually security guards, because he was uh, vandalizing a gas station. Do you guys ever go to a foreign country and just, you know, vandalize a gas station? I'm sure that's everyone's experience. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds really fun. It sounds like a nice night out, like a good date. You know, like to be in Brazil and this is what you do, like out of like the old things you can do, like the sightseeing, the beautiful like places you can you can go to. Oh, big boy Jesus. Yeah. That's a good place. And be go. like, I don't like this gas station. I, I think I can make it better. I think this is American confidence. Just to be like, I can make this better. Has he never watched Locked Up Abroad? I mean, once I saw Broke Down Palace, like when I go overseas, I am so straight laced. Nothing. I do nothing bad because I do not want to be locked up abroad. Wait, is that the Kate Beckinsale, Claire Danes movie? Yes. Yes. Oh my God, that movie is a horror show. Yes. All right. I'm an American citizen. May I please telephone the American Embassy? Darlene, where are you taking her? Yeah, you got to keep it on the straight and narrow. I'm on a green card in America, so I don't do anything bad here either. It's really <laughs> boring, but... Yeah, if immigration is listening, I have never done anything bad here. <laughs> only good things, actually. I've only uh, made gas stations way better. Yeah, pick up litter on the beaches. But the thing is, like, so he apologized for that. This is what the apology was about, was about the lie. But the way he, he apologized, though, he would not take accountability for what he did. He was basically said... You know, like when you're like abroad, it's like, you know, it's it's traumatic to be laid out with your friends in a foreign country with a language barrier and have a stranger point a gun at you. Like, I have lived in a foreign country, the U.S., for seven years. And uh, <laughs> yeah. to this day, haven't uh, set anything on fire or just vandalized something. I mean, do I dream about vandalizing the uh, retail spaces I worked in? Yes. <laughs> right. Would I do it? No. But it's just it's just it's just insane to me like how you like not not only not taking accountability for what you did, you're also like in the Olympics. Why would you do that? Like people do so much to get there and to apologize in the way he did. I mean, I'll give him credit. That was like extremely like impressive like 
like mental gymnastics. Like he should have won a medal for that. But the line, but regardless of the behavior of anyone else that night, regardless of the behavior of anyone else, your be- your behavior. This is about your behavior, Ryan. This makes sense if you were like, like if you were like going on a vacation and with your friends and you got drunk and then you did this. It's still very bad, but you know, we'll we'll try to like excuse it in in whatever way. But to be in the Olympics is is insane. Well, yeah, you're there to like represent America. To be fair, that's a good, also a good representation of America. If exactly. I'm being honest, I yeah. think he did exactly what he <laughs> an yeah. honest one. In that <laughs> regard, I mean, ten out of ten. This apology is kind of interesting because, like, a lot of apologies, well, at least for me. Sometimes it's people I don't even know, but I get obsessed with the story. And then it's like, I have to like know every bit about it. So there was this model, Carissa Pinkston. I didn't know who she was. But in 2020, she was, she got this big contract. She was actually like the face of like Savage by Fenty Rihanna's line. So she got a really big deal. She was like a model for Marc Jacobs. So she was modeling, apparently. This is back in 2019. She says she's in Japan. She says she is traveling. She is sleep-deprived. And she comes across this story about a transgender woman who was murdered. And she just, like, gets involved. This is the story she's telling. And she wanted to raise a conversation, create a dialogue about it. So she decides to tweet about it. And the tweet that she puts out is, being transgender does not make you a woman. It makes you simply transgender. And this immediately goes viral. Mm -hmm. But now she's freaking out. So she goes on Dr. Phil, and I want you to hear this clip. A few months ago, I was in Japan. I was shooting for clients. I felt isolated. I felt alone. And I happened to come across a story about a transgender woman who was brutally murdered. Her name was Malaysia Booker. I felt I needed to shed light on the situation. The first post that really got me in trouble was when I stated, being transgender does not make you a woman. It simply makes you transgender. I was looking for attention when I first made the post. It was selfish. I was definitely sleep deprived. I was in the moldy room and the side effects from the mold are nausea, depression, anxiety. The moldy room definitely played a part in the post. A lot of fans- And in this clip, she said the moldy room caused her to make this tweet. If that is true, everyone in New York City would be extremely transphobic. Like, what's, what are you doing here? Like, exactly. Oh, my God. So she, so she tweets this. It's going viral. And in order to cover it up, because now she's freaking out. She's like, I don't know what to do. So in order to cover it up, she comes out as transgender. What? So this is kind of when I picked up the story, is that I hear about this model who is transgender. And so she comes out and she says, I wasn't ready to come out about it yet, but today I got fired and I've been receiving hate mail and death threats ever since. So I'm being forced to tell the truth. I'm transgender. I transitioned at a very young age and I've lived my life as a female ever since. It's been very hard to keep this secret, but what I said about trans women is a direct reflection of my inner insecurities. And I have since come to realize that I am a woman. We all are. We are all 
What? So yeah, now it's a really confusing place we're at because yeah. okay, you had this, you know, transphobic tweet, but now you're saying you're transgender. Mm. Well, and this is where I think um like I really I have fears of this sometimes. A friend, a high school friend, you know, she had graduated just three years before, I think, in Pennsylvania. And a friend that she went to school with sees the story going viral. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait, what? She's not transgender. And she was like, she reached out to other high school friends because she didn't want to come out with this and, you know, yeah. if she was wrong. And she double checked with everyone and everyone's like, no, she's absolutely not transgender. So she screenshotted all of these transphobic Facebook messages yeah. that had, you know, she had seen before and and she put it out there for everyone to see. So now it's come out that like all of this was a lie and you weren't transgender. And she basically said she freaked out. She did it because after panicking, she she <laughs> she felt like she needed to do something because now she's like, I've I've been bullied. I'm being bullied, I'm getting death threats, and now I really do know what it's like to be a transgender person because I've been bullied. What? It just oh, this, oh is, my God. this is so <laughs> insane to me. Also, like, how do you lie about something of this magnitude? Like, do you think no one, like maybe even your family, like you, you have a, like extended family, whatever, they're gonna come out and be like, "Oh, that's not true." I, I don't get it. I truly, I believe that she fully panicked and was like, "How do I get these people off of my back at all?" And did not even plan a second further than where she was right in that moment. And therefore made it a million. I can't even. I don't know if it's a million times worse. I. This is totally outrageous. <laughs> this is insane. I, it also yeah. reminds me of like something you would do if you were eight years old. It's like it's like taking on a level of of a lie that you know that you can't back up. Like I, when I was a teenager, I used to lie that my family had a Lamborghini. This is the real <laughs> thing. <laughs> and I got called out by just everyone you guys and i was like no it's coming it'll be here on friday and you're gonna see this in this lamborghini and it's oh. mine and i have it in my- i knew that lamborghini wasn't coming on friday i knew <laughs> i knew it wasn't happening but i didn't have to worry about that until friday baby and when your frontal lobe is not developed and you are a, like you're t- you're like it's gonna be fine the cards are gonna fall where they may i'm gonna be good just as long as i can get out of this conversation in this moment unscathed i'll be fine so it's kind of like honestly it's like the entire trump administration as well <laughs> they know damn well that none of that shit is coming to him so she finally came out with sort of a final statement just saying, I apologize for any transphobic remark I've made towards the trans community. I panicked and I thought if I came out as trans, I could somehow make things better for myself, but it appears I've only made things worse. I'm truly sorry. I'm only 20 and I'm human. I make mistakes, but I refuse to let them define me. I hope you can all forgive me and move on from this because I'm so much more than this incident and I'm not a coward. I'm taking some time to reflect on my actions and I hope you all can try to understand. Oh, absolutely. I hope she got enough sleep uh, now. (laughs) Yeah. Now that she doesn't have to stay up for photo shoots or jobs or anything like that. Did you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere? 
and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time. Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrush are out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Two young fathers are shot to death outside an iconic Utah restaurant. I said, your dad has been hurt really bad. The grief was disorienting for those left behind until one choice changed everything. I just remember writing this letter and it wasn't me writing it. Can a personal decision shape generations? We're all falling for this guy's trick. I'm Amy Donaldson. Season two of The Letter, Ripple Effect, is available now. Follow us at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I really am excited to talk about this next one because to me it's truly, first of all, an apology to basically 140 million Americans is what ended up having to happen. So okay. it's it's a big deal. So I don't know if you guys remember Equifax. So it's the Ugh, they're basically yes. like a credit reporting agency. So they tell us whether or not we're worthy of getting things and getting loans and getting a certain amount of money. It's basically um the hell. That's kind of what I describe Equifax as. Yeah. They always give me the worst scores. Like I'm like a trans union girl. They always make <laughs> me look like I have good credit, but Equifax. Ugh. So when this massive hack happened, literally 140 million Americans. And so everybody that I know is all like running online to the internet and just being like, was I affected? Was I not affected? And so this is one thing. So to make matters worse, Equifax waited a full six weeks after it happened before they mm -hmm. even announced the breach to the public. So even if you already apologize, you've already yeah. committed so many grievances since the moment yeah. that the initial issue happened that you're already set up to fail for me personally. So A, they chose not to notify the people who were affected. And instead, they set up a website that they tell no one about. And the website is not actually ready for many days. So people who are entering their information to figure out whether or not their info is hacked, they're told to like come back later. Amazing. So this is where no matter what the apology is at this point, which it's already not great, um, all the things that they're doing leading up to even apologizing to me is making this apology so overdue and even more necessary. So three Equifax executives uh, sell shares the day after the company finds out about the hack. Um, <laughs> they start offering free uh, credit monitoring, but initially they are requiring the people who enroll in the free monitoring to actually waive their right to sue the company over the hack in like the fine print. Wow. Oh, they're tripping. Um, they're tripping. So at this point, I'm just like, this is the worst company on mother flipping earth. So it's like some villain bullshit. It is. It's villain bullshit. And so later they like backtrack. Um, mm -hmm. So now they can sue, but you have to send Equifax a written notice that you're going to sue within 30 days. So they're just like literally creating bullshit contracts that people have to sign in order to sign up just for free credit monitoring. I would say it's very smart, though, because like if you ask me to write anything and send it in the mail, I am not. <laughs> gonna do it mm -mm. i've been paying for a gym membership in portland oregon a place i haven't lived in for two years because they asked me to send a letter and i was like you know what 
I'll pay your money instead. I will <laughs> I not write. Instead of this. <laughs> totally. So to me, the larger picture of this is mm-hmm. the Equifax CEO, kind of Richard Smith, does eventually apologize, you know? And this is after they've genuinely just done the worst job at kind of doing right by these people that they've sort of like fucked over. Uh, and so he sort of starts with this, like, to each and every person affected by this breach. And I'm like, 140 million people. Um, I'm really sorry that this occurred and that the company failed to prevent sensitive information from falling into the hands of wrongdoers. In the back of my mind, I'm like, bro, you're a wrongdoer. Like, you are a wrongdoer. You're doing all of this shit to cover this up. And the cover-up is always worse than the crime because you're you're basically having this just the worst handling of one of the biggest cybersecurity breaches. And he literally writes out an eight page testimony of everything kind of like leading up to the breach. But then after completely just leaves up the fact that like there were security issues that weren't patched. There's all this like bullshit. If you've tried everything to not do right by the people who you owe an apology to, you're done. Like nothing that you say means anything. Yeah, I'm sure he was making millions of dollars a salary and basically you were getting paid a lot and you were not doing your job and the people under you weren't doing your job. So you failed. And what pisses me off most about this is like you have a fuck up of this magnitude and like you still get to be in business. Like you still get to determine the interest rate when I buy a car. Like you should be out of business. Aquifax should not be a factor in anything. Goodbye. Like I don't watch your credit score. I know, but we it's so much harder <laughs> to cancel a corporation than it is to a person. Well, I want to try. <laughs> Speaking of uh, dumb people, uh, yes. what if I? This is how I'm introducing my next person. I am so. I mean, he's not very dumb, but this is how I choose to uh, segue into this. Shia LaBeouf. Uh, known actor. We all heard of him. You know, he was he was on Even Stevens, The Transformers. You know, so many other things that I do not remember now, and I do not care to remember. <laughs> but he has so many things to apologize for. But I picked this one apology because I think it's truly magnificent. So I don't know, like I don't know if you've ever seen his short film in like 2013. It's called uh, HowardContour.com. No. It's a short film. It's about a TV critic. It's like a 14-minute movie that was like made around in festivals, like got a lot of recognition. People loved it. And it was made completely by uh, Shia LaBeouf. But then it turns out that there was like a lot of similarities between the movie. And there's a, a comic that was made by a cartoonist called uh, Daniel Claus. And when I say similarities, I mean it was stolen like line by line. <laughs> the whole thing, the visuals, the lines. The only thing that he changed was made by him at the end. That's it. <laughs> Everything else was the same. And he did not mention that man's name in any part of that movie. Oh, my God. This is more actions of an eight-year-old. This is like when I would go to the encyclopedia and just like copy the exact paragraph of like butterflies. And then it's like, report done. And the crazy thing is, like, he's, like, documented saying that he is a big fan of that man he stole the movie from. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, Mia Ponsetto level unhinged. Yeah. Like, also, what did you think was going to happen? Like, do you, did you think that cartoonist was just going to, like, watch the film and be like, 
man, great minds think alike. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible line for line. What made his apology like so bad? What did what did he say afterwards? So his apology was like well worded. Like if you read it, he was like copying isn't like creative work. Like being inspired by someone else's idea and producing something is different from creative work, which is, you know, it's I'm like, okay, makes sense. You know, he said like in the excitement and being like an amateur like filmmaker, I kind of got lost in the creative process. But what made the apology bad is that it turns out he kind of like copy pasted this apology from like a Yahoo Answers. And I'm just like, this got to be the dumbest thing ever. Oh, like to apologize for stealing something by stealing something else. It just tells <laughs> me that you truly do not give a fuck. It feels like he's like doing a Banksy or something. He's like, it's so egregious that it feels hilarious. Like I just, it just almost feels like a prank kind of. Exactly. Yeah. It feels like he's like a walk, like a living in his own piece of art. And he's just like creating a, a, along the way. Like this feels like a good path to take. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I will never watch Even Stevens again. So here's that. <laughs> I'm going to boycott that. Well, the opposite of Shia is someone that I actually really love and someone that I would never think would do any wrong, would never lie, cheat, and steal. But it's important to hold those people that you love and and you really think are kind of perfection in your eyes <laughs> accountable. Um, and that person is President Obama. What was he president of? Chicago. Oh, okay. That Obama. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure. So apparently back in, I guess it was 2010, there was a defense appropriations spending bill that had been, you know, passed. It was going to get passed in Congress, Senate, you know, however that works in that house over there. <laughs> that house. Discretion. That poly science-ass bullshit. Whatever that yeah. is. How that works. <laughs> yeah. But apparently what was included in this bill was this apology to Native Americans, it was um, the Native American Apology Resolution. And this was an apology that I guess Senator Sam Brownback of Kansas had originally introduced. Yeah. And it was to officially apologize for the past ill-conceived policies by the U.S. government toward the Natives people of this land and reaffirm our commitment towards healing our nation's wounds and working toward establishing better relationships rooted in reconciliation. I mean... Mm -hmm. That sounds like something you definitely want to apologize for. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, 100%. The problem was we didn't know about it. I mean, I didn't know about it. There was no press release about it. The Native peoples didn't know that this apology existed. It was just buried in this defense bill, which seems so odd to me. Like, why? Why would the government do that? I cannot believe that the U.S. government doesn't know how to apologize <laughs> I'm I'm shocked to my core right now, shaking. Well, then you should not be even more surprised that, of course, this apology had a disclaimer that said nothing in this apology authorizes or supports any legal claims against the United States, and the resolution does not settle any claims. 
truly amazing. I'm I'm gonna like adopt that for future apologies for myself. <laughs> you know, like I would like someone would like be like, you owe me an apology. I'm like, I apologized. I'm like, when? I'm like, hm, well, it's not my fault. You didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> if you check the defense bill. <laughs> They've included it. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe you should read more. What does an apology matter if you can't get, like, a resolution or justice in the end of it? It's like, if you stole from me and you apologize, great, but you're not going to give me back the thing you stole from me? It just makes it, it cuts through it completely and makes it ridiculous. Basically. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's the definition of performative, I'm pretty sure. Like, this is, you know, and people were like, well, why, you know, is Obama ever going to address this? And, you know, they kind of said, like, the reason maybe he didn't was because it was an election year. And if he did draw attention to it, it might make him look weak for this apology. And if he did, you know, there was like, so yeah. it still got buried in more politics, which is the unfortunate part of it all yeah, yeah that's the great thing about this country is like every two years it's an election year somehow and that's why <laughs> nothing gets done because i'm like but the elections i'm like it's so true you just have to start campaigning again baby <laughs> i mean I, I don't feel like this is like even like a, a barack obama like an ap- apology like the u.s government and they never apologize for anything. I mean, like, they owe so many uh, different people and groups and countries most of this earth apologies. They're so. the Charlie Sheen of apologies. They've just spent the last hundreds and hundreds of years fucking it up. <laughs> and we just have to choose which one we want to talk about at any given moment. There's too many. So out of, out of this amazing apologies that we've gone uh, through today which which one would you say is the worst for you personally oh man i mean i probably am gonna have to it's like a tough one i i think i just i can't stand mia ponsetto so much anyone who disrespects oprah's friend is an as an enemy to me so for me she just she's at the bottom she is the gale king of queens and i love her so much um i'm gonna choose I mean, honestly, and and I feel bad for her in some ways, but I think I'm going to choose yours, Carissa Pinkston, because, like, I just, the lie of pretending that you're transgender is so messed up. It is just so beyond um, normalcy, beyond, and it just feels insane to me. But um, because she's a woman, I choose Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) And now I can't pick pick her because... uh... (laughs) And that's how we believe women. Okay, Mohammed. Okay, yeah. Set I'll, that I'll have, trap up. I'll have to pick a man now. Uh, I'll just have to go with the extreme opposite of that, which is Kevin Spacey, obviously. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I think what he did was not just a bad thing. It was a crime that he's not paying for. So what's the best of the worst? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. If I, if I had to pick, I'll say Hugh Grant. He's British. He's been through enough. I'm going with Hugh, too. I think Hugh was the best of the worst, personally. You know, I'm trying just to be contrary, you know? Just, mm-hmm. to, just to fuck it up a little bit. Yeah. Disrupt, honey. Um, <laughs> honestly, again, I think... I know this is so bad, but it's... I This is stupid, but I think Carissa Pinkston, like, to a certain extent, like, in my mind, I'm like, after all of this happens... You know, just the whole idea of her saying like, hey, I'm 20. I hope you guys can forgive me. Like I lied and I panicked and I think she's like sincere about it. 
so I'm gonna maybe say she's my she's my best and my worst. Okay, I see right. how it Why is. Why not? Why yeah. not? Okay, yeah. So you're you're just making us look bad here with just your <laughs> problematic support for women. I don't think I have a soft spot for like young women making fucked up mistakes because I want to be forgiven. You know, like I just I think when I was twenty, I was also a giant mess, and I just um, I'm glad that the people in my life made space for me to fuck up. I mean, I never did that, but I did fake a Lamborghini for six months. <laughs> uh, well, this this has been great. I think we 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 fucking crushed it with, with those apologies. Uh, <laughs> truly crushed it. Those are the nine worst apologies. I challenge you to go and find any worst apologies. Please don't do that. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcasts. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Elise Myers. I'm a content creator and comedian. You might know me from TikTok. Why am I in your ears right now? Well, that's a great question. I would love to tell you. I have a new podcast called Funny Because It's True. On my show, I'll be interviewing comedians, pop culture icons, and also just people I find really funny. We'll be talking about the awkward moments that keep you awake at night. Because if you don't laugh, you cry, right? (laughs) Okay, Funny Because It's True. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jose Andres. Maybe you know me from my restaurants or maybe from Wall Central Kitchen the organization I founded to feed people after disasters. Well, it's time for you to know my podcast, Longer Tables. Each episode, I get to know fascinating people in the most intimate way, through food. Stacey Abrams, Jojo Ma, Jane Goodall, Padma Lakshmi. I will answer questions from listeners too. Join me in building longer tables, not higher walls, whatever you get your podcasts.